from the studios of Farm Journal Broadcast. This is Ag Day. It's underway. We head to this year's National FFA Convention for a look at the future of agriculture. We check out the cotton fields of Georgia for a look at what it takes to recover from too much rain. We had anywhere from nine to, I think, 12 inches in a week. And the good news, bad news, when it comes to crop insurance payouts for farmers. So it, that's not exactly the side of the ledger we want to be on. What the pressure on prices mean for your bottom line right now on Ag Day. Ag Day, presented by Pioneer. What's next happens when blood, sweat, and tears meet rain, wind, and sun. Pioneer, what's next happens here. Good morning, I'm Clint Griffiths. As farmers wrap up harvest, it looks like many could be getting a crop insurance payment even without a yield loss. The harvest price for crop insurance are now out. And Agnes Michelle Rook joins us. Michelle, this is all has to do with those lower corn prices currently. That's right, the lower prices for corn, soybeans, and sunflowers this fall versus this spring are all reflected in the average October harvest price for crop insurance. And it's a good news, bad news story for farmers. The official harvest prices from the Risk Management Agency were released on Wednesday. They include corn at 488 a bushel versus the base price of 591, a decline of 17% from this spring. For soybeans, the harvest price was set at 1284, down 7% from the base price of 1376. And for sunflowers, prices are 9% lower at 2790 for oil sunflowers, 2990 for confectionery sunflowers. Crop insurance agents say while payments on revenue insurance will kick in with higher yields, it also means a lower revenue guarantee, especially on corn. Which means that you know producers can you know actually be a little bit above their guarantees and, and still have a revenue loss. This is the low, I mean, this is the first time in four years that corn prices have dropped, and it's the lowest since I believe 2014 for corn. So it, that's not exactly the side of the ledger we want to be on. He says the 92 cent drop in soybean prices was the biggest drop from spring to fall since 2018, but was not down as much as corn at $1.03. So will that discourage any corn acres looking forward to 2024? I think what it'll do is it might take some of those corn on corn acres out because your guarantees are going to be a little bit lower. So I think some of that will take place. But other than that, I still expect that you know producers will try to raise corn. He says that's because corn is still king with greater yield potential on corn than soybeans. I'm Michelle Rook reporting for Ag Day. Record-setting cold and sub-freezing temperatures are now moving into the south and points east. Meteorologist Matt Engelbrecht joins us. And Matt, that could mean trouble, especially there in the deep south. Yeah, it wasn't just cold either. It was snow, a blanket of snow marching across the United States. And now we flip over the calendar as we get deeper into November. Now we're going to talk more about that. But the next couple of days, now we mentioned this last week, uh, the overall flow is going to go pretty zonal. So we got that pocket of cold air that's going to be dipping back down to the south and down to the southeast as it translates across the United States with more of the lower 40s and possibly the mid 40s tomorrow morning with the temperatures uh, still in the 20s up in the Dakotas. Now, as we get into uh, tomorrow afternoon, uh, check out the warmth back into Texas and Oklahoma. It doesn't look like much, but more importantly, that is going to be pushing back up north and to the northeast. So while it was very cold, the warm air will be building back in across the United States. 
Yields in the Fields on Ag Day is brought to you by Microessentials, the super granule that packs balanced nutrition into a single granule for uniform nutrient distribution, increased nutrient uptake, and season-long sulfur availability. Beating commodity fertilizers every time. Supercharge your yields with the Mighty Micro from Mosaic. Checking those yields in the fields. Brandon of Indiana wrapping up some soybean harvest before the snow came. He says a lack of rains in August hurt the top end yield, but he says overall it's a good crop this year. Next, he says, was to get to work on harvesting the corn. I'll have more on your forecast coming up. El Nino conditions are expected to dominate weather all winter long, but what does that mean for farmers, specifically in the West and water supplies for irrigation? Now, the area got a big boost last winter season thanks to a lot of snow falling. Some of the biggest reservoirs, especially those in the Colorado River Basin and in the Rio Grande, remain critically low following a generation of drought going back 20 to 25 years or more. An El Nino system could lead to drier than normal conditions in parts of the Pacific Northwest. El Nino is also expected to help out winter wheat and livestock for most of the country this winter. The Cotton Harvest Tour on Ag Day is brought to you by Delta Pine. Dedicated to cotton, committed to you. Well, cotton harvest is closing in on the halfway mark across the U.S. According to USDA, 49% was harvested as of Sunday. That's two points ahead of average, but five points behind 2022. Now, statewide, Georgia farmers are running behind at 32% complete, which is 10 points behind the normal five-year pace and trails last year by 14 points. Farm Journal Stein Morgan recently got a check on yields there in Georgia. This area of southwest Georgia is home to three core crops, corn, peanuts, and cotton. Cotton is very important to this area um, just because it adapts well and it's a very good rotation crop. Neil Lee's family has tended to these soils since the 80s, and he started farming here in 2001. And this year, it's one to remember. This year we started off, uh, it was cool, um, dry when we started planting. But then toward the end of May, Lee says it stayed cool, but turned extremely wet. In the May, we got a lot of rain. It was times we got five to six inches at a time. It wasn't just a shower here and there. Some of this farm ground was drowning from so much rain. We had anywhere from nine to, I think, 12 inches in a week. I would say that we lost somewhere between probably seven and 10% of our crop. Ethan Cody is the agronomist on this farm, and he says the cool temps also stunted the growth early on. I looked to have a stand up within six to eight days of planting. We had some stuff that was stretched all the way out to, you know, 10, 12, 14 days. As the crop was recovering from too much rain and the cooler temperatures, the area then saw a sudden switch with a heat wave hitting the crop. It was one of the hottest um, summers we had that I can ever remember. The heat this summer did help push the crop to maturity quicker. What was looking to be a delayed harvest is now right on time. I would say our yield is going to be all over the board, really depending on planting date. But on an average across, I'd say that we're going to be right, right at our normal average. I think there's going to be some, some phenomenal cotton this year. And we're also going to have some stuff that's, that's fairly disappointing. But the one bonus growers in this area are seeing this year, bowls on the bottom of the plant. It's always been said that the bottom crop is your money bowls. And most years we don't really get to count on that fully. But I'm optimistic that it's going to provide a, a bump to our yields. While the plant bug pressure was heavy early on, it was fairly tame during the growing season. 
and it's the damage done early from such a cool weather that cotton growers could be paying a price for at harvest this year. That's one thing that I'm worried about with factoring into our total yield because that can be pretty detrimental. You may have some areas in a field that, that are doing three bales or better, but when you factor in the, the average for the total acres and 10% of those acres aren't there, that's going to affect what you come out with. As this cotton gets picked and then graded at the gin, the lack of rain later in the season is fueling better grades and quality. But with dampened demand for cotton at home and around the globe, Lee says they're not getting paid a premium on those good grades like they normally would. I just wish more people would, would wear more cotton and then put it in the stores. As Lee reflects back on 2023, it's an average year, but his plea for more consumers is to buy and support American-grown cotton, a natural fiber that he hopes will continue to be the fabric of our lives. All right, thanks, Ty. Now the fight between Israel and Hamas has farmers in the region fearful for their future. The war creating a crisis for some of the nation's agricultural lands. Near Gaza, the military is banning all farming within two and a half miles of the border fence. To the north, rockets from Hezbollah in Lebanon and Syria forcing whole communities to be evacuated. Now prior to the war, most of the produce consumed in Israel was grown there. Today, the country is being forced to import more vegetables as laborers leave and towns are emptied. It's confirmed President Biden will meet with his Chinese counterpart later this month in San Francisco. The White House saying it's still ironing out the details of that meeting, but are hoping it will be constructive. President Biden is heading to San Francisco November 14th for the Asia Pacific Economic Cooperation Economic Leaders Week. White House officials add that the president is looking forward to meeting with Chinese President Xi Jinping. Two leaders last met in person at the G20 summit in Bali almost a year ago. Grains are mixed at midweek while cattle continue to grind higher. We'll have the latest details next in Markets Now. And later, telling the world about agriculture. That's the goal of a TV series as it continues to visit America's farms. That story in the country. Corn and soybeans moving in opposite directions midweek. Michelle Rook joins us with more in Markets Now. A mixed day in the greens on Wednesday. Ted Cypress Zander Ag Hedge is joining us. And corn and soybeans moving in opposite directions on Wednesday. We didn't have a whole lot of news. So was it technical or what was going on? Yeah, Michelle, corn and soybeans going opposite directions. Corn and wheat going opposite directions. It's a pretty rare scenario where we have all that happening. Uh, but yeah, a lot of technical things happening, right? Uh, corn did finally break out to the downside. Um, you could say that it might have just put in the second shoulder of a very long, very large uh, inverted head and shoulders formation. But it doesn't make you feel great about that because we didn't have a big reversal off that low. We didn't close positive on the day. So we'll have to see what happens tomorrow and the next day. Uh, but yes, corn was able to close at its lowest level that it has closed since September 18th. So for those of us that are, are looking for that seasonal bottoming and seasonal rally into the end of the calendar year, well, that hasn't started yet, and it makes you wonder if it's going to start at all. Um, in the meantime, soybeans really ping-ponging in between two of their major moving averages, major short-term moving averages, the 10 and 20 day. So do you think there was a little square in here up ahead of the Fed meeting too or not? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the big surprise that would be bullish commodities would be uh, uh, a surprise rate cut. We didn't see that. Um, but, you know, anytime there's a, a risk events like that. Yeah, I do think there is just a little bit of bookkeeping that happens uh, for that. Um, when all said and done, though, the Fed did nothing. They they didn't change rate. They, they left rates unchanged. 
which was what was widely expected in the market. Uh, the question there, though, is after the the pretty massive strength that we've seen in the dollar over the course of the last two days, does that mean the dollar continues to get stronger or because they left rates unchanged, does the dollar now retrace some of that? Good question there. Weed, anything more than a corrected bounce or some short covering after new lows in a couple of the classes? Yeah, right. Uh, you know, it just seems like we, we tend to make new lows almost every day, we, uh, or at least one of the classes. Um, yeah, and you know, it's just super vastly oversold. And I do think there was some spread activity happening with both um, corn and beans, but mostly with corn. You know, that's the typical one we see uh, any sort of spreads happening against. Uh, so, yeah, I think there was some of that. Just lack of any news, lack of information in an oversold market. You're going to get this these, you know, miter bounces from here or there. Thanks for joining us. That is Ted Seifert's Egg Hedge. And that's Markets Now. We'll have more Egg Day coming up. For professional marketing advice specifically tailored to your needs, call Zaner Ag Hedge at 312-277-0113. Ag Day is brought to you by Lamar's Toy Store, the largest and most diversified farm toy store in the U.S. They have new and old and do restorations and customizations too. You need to see it to believe it. Visit Lamar'sToyStore.com or call us at 712-546-4305. Yeah, I wanted to take a step back before we look at what's going on with the jet stream. I'll show you where kind of the uh, precipitation, whether that's rain or snow, is coming from or not uh, coming from. We're going uh, mostly zonal with the jet stream, so more of a, a west to east flow with the jet stream. So any rain chances are going to be hard to come by. May get a few uh, light showers, some snowflakes. This is precipitation estimate through Saturday at 7 p.m. as a quiet pattern starts to settle in and across the United States. Here's a look at the jet stream. So that a system that brought us the cold, record-setting cold air and snow lifts off to the north and to the east in its wake. A ridge of high pressure is going to try to develop, but it's going to be almost a flattened ridge. And you see this little bubble right in here Saturday into Sunday. That's where we may get our first chance of some rain coming in and across, not only the plains, the Dakotas, but into the Midwest as well. More importantly is how far north some of these lines are going this weekend. A bit of a warmer trend, especially on the East Coast uh, by Friday, Saturday and into Sunday. And until we see another strong trough trying to develop, which is what we're going to get back out here to the West Coast, this pattern is going to sustain itself into most of next week. So by next Monday and Tuesday uh, into Wednesday, and may get a little clipper system developing in and across Canada. But for the most part, nothing like the system that we just went through. Now again, there's a look at the jet stream coming up for your Wednesday. And as we look at the temperature outlook November 6th through the 10th, see how it matches up really well with the overall jet stream flow now, during that time period. A little bit cooler, if not colder, back up in the Midwest compared to normal. And then that warmth, that heat building back down to the south. In terms of precipitation outlook, not really anything to uh, hold, put your hat on. And maybe onto the east coast, it's mainly off to the west coast that we see the highest chances of some rain, perhaps even a few isolated thunderstorms. Good year, Arizona, sunny, high around 85 degrees, low of 51. Good year, sunny, high around 63 degrees. That's going to be Alabama, low around 37 degrees. Gooding, Idaho, 59 degrees, partly cloudy, low of 42. The cattle industry continues to watch for signs of rebuilding amid continued strong prices. 
The October cattle on feed report showed placements were 106% of last year. That was higher than analysts expected. On the other side, marketings were lower than anticipated. Now together, it pushed total inventories higher for the first time in a year. Oklahoma State's Daryl Peel says continued drought is likely forcing some early shipments to the feedlot. Add to it strong prices and cattle producers appear to be taking advantage of the current situation. Meanwhile, heifers on feed is one key indicator to watch. The number of heifers in feedlots has not declined. We've been watching this for at least a year, expecting to see at some point that feedlot uh, heifer numbers would come down. That'll be part of, uh, you know, the sort of the opposite side of indicating that we're retaining heifers uh, and thinking about herd rebuilding. That's certainly not happening right now. 40% of all the uh, cattle in feedlots right now are heifers. That's the largest heifer percentage uh, since 2001. So uh, uh, there's no indication right now. Uh, certainly when you combine that with the cow slaughter we're still seeing, uh, it's pretty clear that we're still liquidating females and the beef cow herd in the U.S. continues to get smaller. Peel says the move to rebuild herd numbers continues to be delayed. He says longer term, this is bullish for the cattle industry and for prices. One Wyoming lawmaker is proposing something interesting for ranchers, all you can kill elk permits. Republican State Representative Bill Alleman introducing the proposal, it would allow ranchers to get an unlimited number of elk permits in an effort to reduce the overpopulation of elk in eastern Wyoming. Alleman initially introduced the idea as an amendment to another bill the State Ag Committee was considering and then as a standalone bill. Both times it has failed. Up next, leading the field. We'll see the future of the ag industry and hear how one TV show is working to connect farms and food with a stop at the National FFA Convention. Next. There it is, a blizzard of blue and gold now swarming downtown Indianapolis. The 96th annual National FFA Convention and Expo officially kicking off on Wednesday, more than 70,000 are expected to be on hand for the four-day event, topping pre-pandemic levels from back in 2019. Now, helping drive attendance, FFA continuing to see banner growth with roughly 946,000 members across 9,100 chapters. While some of the students are competing, others are there to learn about the future of agriculture. That's the message NASCAR spotter Brett Griffin is sharing at the event this week. Now he's working with Nutrient Ag Solutions on a special project called Leading the Field. It's an internet television show that highlights America's farms and farmers in an effort to connect consumers with where their food comes from. Now in its second season, Griffin says Leading the Field has taught him a lot about what it takes to be a farmer today. I just hope they learn an appreciation for our food doesn't just show up in a grocery store. It comes from the labor and fruits of, of people in really small rural towns that are doing everything they can to not only provide us with food, but provide us with a high quality food, a food that's safe. There's a lot of things that go into that. You, you and I see you know, a, a piece of beef laying in a grocery store. That cattle didn't just come to be, right? Like somebody had to raise the cattle, take care of it, keep it healthy. So it's about those processes that I want people to really understand and appreciate. The new season of Leading the Field is currently out. Yeah, episode one is about the, the beloved apple, right? Apple a day keeps the doctor away. Everybody loves apples. Probably the most thing that was surprising to me is they're growing these apples in Washington. I think Washington State 
a lot of rain, a lot of greenery. We were in the we were in the desert, and they're growing these apples. So uh, really cool experience. Had no idea that bees play such a big part in the apples. And I also didn't realize that we see a pretty apple. It doesn't mean it's going to be the best tasting apple. We also touched on something that we had touched on in, in, in prior seasons, the organic process and what that's like. So definitely a must-see episode. You can watch all of the episodes from season one and the start of season two online at Nutrient Ag Solutions website or on their YouTube page. And that's all the time we have this morning. We're sure glad you tuned in from all of us here at Ag Dam Clinton Griffiths. Have a great day.